You got a Bible, go to 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30. Are you ready for the word today? All right, I want to title this message, Coming Out of Confusion. Coming Out of Confusion. And this is a word, I really felt like God gave me this word for someone this week, that it's time to come out of confusion. In 1 Samuel 30, David was, was not yet the king. He was anointed, but not yet appointed. And sometimes we're there. We, we have a dream in our heart, a prophetic word, but it hasn't happened yet. We're waiting. We're, we're in the in-between season. And one door has closed, and you're waiting for the next door to open. And sometimes they say it's hell in the hallway. It's painful in the hallway. I was reading this book by Jensen Franklin this week, and he said um, there was a vulnerable season in his life where he didn't know what was next. It was this hallway of waiting. While one door had closed, the next door hadn't opened. It was a transition season, and it was extremely confusing, trying to sort through, figure out what do I do next? How do I handle now? It's uncomfortable, and it can get confusing. And if we make decisions out of an impulsive moment of being confused without the wisdom of God and the word of God, we can land ourselves in a longer hallway and a longer season of confusion. And that it doesn't have to be months and months and months of waiting for what God has next or the answer to a confusing situation. It doesn't have to be a year. It doesn't have to be 10 years. And I think this message is going to set some people free who've been waiting on answers that today you're going to walk out of this room with less confusion, more peace, less exhaustion, more strength, less fear, more faith. And so in 1 Samuel 30, verse 3, David and his men had reached a town called Ziklag. This is where they lived. David had a group of broken men, men who had walked through abuse, trauma, pain. They were insecure. They had walked through painful situations in their marriage, in their family, in their health. And they drew towards David because David was a broken man. David was hiding in the caves from his father-in-law, King Saul, who had been trying to kill him for the last 10 years. And so all these men who were in distress gathered around this king of the caves, David. And so David, before he was the king of Israel, he was the king of the caves. He's living in the caves. He's living in Ziklag. He's got these men and they had an army. He turned a group of broken men into an army. God's about to turn a nation of broken men into an army. And it starts at victory. Come on. The mighty men of God are in the house today. If you're broken, you're in a good place. If you've walked through some stressful situations, you're in a good place. So here David is with his mighty men and they just returned from war. And when they get back to their town, in verse three, it says, they found their town destroyed by fire. Now, I've seen some movies when I was younger, like Braveheart, that I shouldn't have seen, but there was, there was moments in these movies where they would come back and they would see their town destroyed by fire and rage would begin to stir in their hearts. They would begin to question, who did this? Who's responsible for this? So they find their town destroyed by fire. Their wives have been kidnapped. Their sons and daughters have been taken captive. And David and his men begin to weep aloud. David began to weep uncontrollably. Here's what confusion does. Confusion causes deep grief. And usually confusion is the result of loss. Confusion comes from either the loss of a job, the loss of a friendship, the loss of a comfort zone, the loss of a loved one. Like when my father passed away, everything was normal. Everything was predictable. Every, I knew what to expect each day, each week. But when he passed, it felt confusing there for a season. I was trying to figure out what, what in the world is going on? What in the what is happening? You ever been there before where you're going, what is happening? What do I do? I thought I knew what to do, and now I don't know what to do. I thought I knew the answers, and now I, I don't know. Or when there's a painful situation that happens in your life, confusion begins to stir. And I'm a big note taker, so if you want to take notes this morning, go ahead, take note. Note takers are history makers, but confusion is the result of loss or grief. You got to know where it came from. Why did this confusion come? When did it start? Did it start in January this year? Did it start two years ago? Did it start two weeks ago? And typically, it's the result of a loss in, in, in your life. So David and his men, they're weeping. And then in verse 6, David is so overwhelmed. It says he was greatly distressed. Confusion will either send you towards your knees in prayer, or it will send you into a place of hatred. And you start looking for someone to blame. So David is greatly distressed. Here's why. Not only has he lost his family, 
Not only is his house burned to the ground, but now his employees, his team, his, his army, his soldiers are talking about killing him. In verse six, it says, they begin to talk about how can we kill David? Because in their confusion, they start playing the blame game. It's somebody's fault. Someone's responsible for the loss that I'm walking through, the pain that I'm in, the confusion. This hallway is hell and I don't know how to handle it, so I gotta point my finger at somebody. And sometimes people will point their finger at the church. They'll point their finger at a president. They'll point their finger at their ex-husband, their ex-wife. And, and after the divorce, there's greater heartbreak and pain and confusion than there was leading up to it. There's greater heartbreak, confusion that can happen as a result of not knowing how to handle where this confusion is coming from. So in their hurt and pain, they start wanting to kill somebody. We need blood, we need flesh. I want a pound of flesh for the person that put me in this confusing state. They start talking about stoning David. It says they were bitter, look at this in verse six, they were bitter in spirit. The Bible says bitterness rots the bones. Bitterness is like a cancer. It begins to spread through a person's mind and heart. I am bitter, I am angry. I am mad, I wanna burn the whole system down. I wanna, I'm so mad right now, right? We're in the age of outrage, 2022. The aftermath of COVID is that so many people are in a place of confusion. This is a word for the church, not just the local church, but the global church. It is time to come out of the spirit of confusion. The devil, more than anything, wants to divide and conquer. If he can get Christians fighting with each other, then we stop fighting the real war. If the devil can get us angry and confused and divided and isolated, and I'm going home, I'm gonna go where there's no hypocrite, I'm mad, I'm confused, I'm overwhelmed, I'm gonna watch Netflix where there's more confusion. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm eating food, I'm going to go to a corn maze and get more lost in a corn maze during October pumpkin patch. Well, our world is obsessed with confusion. You know how many corn mazes are in Tulsa right now? We took our kids to the corn maze this week. People pay money to get lost. They're like 15 bucks. Yes, get me lost in the corn maze. I wanna be lost in the corn. What is wrong with our society? We like getting lost. We got TV shows about lost. We wanna get lost on Instagram and we'll just scroll. We get lost in Facebook, reading all the comments on YouTube, lost in politics, lost in news. It is time to get out of this spirit of confusion and stop wasting our time fighting frivolous battles that aren't the real enemy. Y'all, the real enemy is the devil, the prince of darkness. It is not a pastor, a church, a person, a government leader. We gotta stop fighting flesh and start fighting in the spirit. I'm not after a brother. I'm not after a sister. I'm after the spirit of this age. So David's here and he's overwhelmed because his brothers wanna kill him. They're like, it's your fault that we're going through this mess. And David, instead of defending himself, I love this. Sometimes you can't convince people who've already got a narrative in their head about you. And you waste your time trying to, trying to fight that battle. So David just goes right here. It says in verse six, he found strength in God. Before you try to get out of that hellish hallway of confusion, get on your knees in prayer and say, Lord, Reveal what needs to be revealed. Heal what needs to be healed. Speak to me in a way, God, that is unmistakably your voice, that there's no way that I wouldn't know it's you. Because Jesus said in John 16, my sheep hear my voice. John chapter 10, my sheep hear my voice. They follow me. They don't follow the voice of the stranger. If it's confusing, it's not the Holy Spirit. If it's confusing, God is not the author of confusion. He is not the author of confusion. So here David is. He's going, I don't know what to do. In verse seven, it says, bring me an ephod. This doesn't make sense to us because we're going, what in the world is an ephod? An ephod was a symbol of direction. It was something the priest would carry to try to, to know what God wanted them to do next. It was an Old Testament thing that they would do is they would hold the ephod and they would ask God, God, what do you want to do? It's basically like you got a journal, you're writing your vision down for your family, for your life, for your, your next season. It's basically saying, God, here's the pen. You tell me what to write next. Do I marry this person? Do we move to this state? Do I overreact? Do I send this email? Before you send that email, 
before you cancel that person, before you get angry at this situation and react, make sure you have asked God, God, is this the wisest thing to do? We're living in a time where people are living in their emotions. If I feel angry, I'm gonna do it. Impulsive actions. So David says, God, verse seven, what shall I do? Do I pursue? Will there be success if I pursue this enemy or do I just stay here? And the Lord says, pursue, pursue, pursue. There are certain things that you cannot get through. You can't go over it. You can't go under it. You can't go around it. You got to go through it. The only way is to face Goliath. The only way is to face the trauma. The more you run from things that are scaring you, the bigger they get. The more you hide in the cave of confusion, the bigger Goliath gets. But the second you make up in your mind, I am coming out of this confusion. I am coming out of this spirit of fear, this spirit of anxiety, this spirit of victimhood, where I've been listening to podcasts that just affirm my victimness. I'm coming, I'm walking in victory today. I'm coming out of confusion. I'm getting out of every lie of the enemy. And God says, pursue, pursue. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us today. I pray that we would come out and stay out of confusion. And I pray, Lord, every strategy and tactic of the enemy that's been dividing and conquering believers, families, marriages, relationships, churches, any believer that's watching this online or here in the room today that's just in a place of confusion, today is the day of clarity. Today is the day of coming out of that darkened place of not knowing what to do, the uncertainty, into a place of faith and truth and trust in you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. Thank you, Carlos. Call you right back up in just a little bit. Let's talk about how do we come out of confusion. First off, you need to know in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 33, Paul the apostle says, God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. You need to know God's not sending you in a confusing state to teach you a lesson. Did anyone see the movie Maze Runner? And there was a trilogy of these movies and these young adults are trapped in a maze. And, and the world watched these movies. It was similar to the, the Hunger Games, these movies that came out all around the same time, these young adults trying to find their way through a maze. They would turn one corner and they would hit another wall. They would think they're coming out of the maze and they're trapped in a new maze. And this maze just kept them running. They would run fast. And in their maze of being lost and confused, they got exhausted. They started hallucinating. They became uh, divided with each other. They started forming factions and teams. I know the right way. I know the right way. And there was someone who was watching it all. There was a maze creator. There was a group of people. They were scientists, and they were doing experiments on these young adults. And you get kind of, as the person who's watching the movie, you're like, what in the world? They are playing games with these people's lives. That's what the devil's doing. He's playing games with people in the church. And he's got people in mazes. And he's got people trying to figure it all out. And then he's got people thinking, God wants you in this maze. God wants to keep you confused for a while. God wants to keep you in this place of, of confusion so that you never know his will, his way, his plan, his heart. And it's got people wasting time. Time is running out. We don't have time to waste in a confused state. We've got to get free from confusion. Now, you need to know confusion is not a sin. It's not a sin to be in confusion, but it can lead to a sin. It can lead to a distorted sin. Here's what confusion does. Five things confusion does. Confusion dis, uh, distracts you from your purpose. So really, confusion is a distraction. It's a distraction. <laughs> Uh, a couple, couple months ago, someone was asking me my thoughts on Will Smith and Chris Rock and the slap. They were like, what do you think about the slap? And I was like, I, I don't know. I, don't, I, I guess I haven't been thinking about it. They're like, well, let me tell you the backstory. So they start telling me the backstory, and they're like, it's a whole tangled. You know, you ever had to untangle a rope or a water hose? And they start untangling, and I'm like... I'm confused listening. To, this is not my story. This is not my business. Why am I wasting time? Sometimes we are distracted by someone else's confusion. And we're confused because we're trying to figure out the drama of the royal family or the drama of someone else's marriage. You got enough drama in your own life. Stop wasting time being confused by someone else's drama. It ain't your, your business. Let me tell you two free vacation spots in 2022. 
No lines, you don't have to pay for airline tickets, you won't have to wait in line at Disneyland. Two free vacation spots, your own business, your own lane. Because everybody else wants to know, well, what's going on over here? I just can't wrap my mind around this. I just can't figure this out. I've been trying to untangle it. I'm so confused. There's so many different stories. Stop wasting your time being confused about someone else's confusion. You got to focus on your own lane, your own life. Confusion distracts me from my purpose. Secondly, confusion distorts my vision. It distorts me. I start seeing things I shouldn't see. Start hallucinating things. There was a movie that came out several years ago called Vantage Point. Everybody had a different vantage point to the same story, same situation. So the movie is like Groundhog Day. Every 10 minutes, it starts over again. The same story, but a different angle. And I'm watching, and I'm getting more confused as I'm watching the movie. I'm like, I thought I knew the story, but this person's vantage point tells me a different side of this story. And by the end of the movie, I was more confused than when I started the movie. You just need to turn the movie off. It's distorting your clarity. Thirdly, confusion depletes people of energy. It depletes us of energy. So here, David and his men, they're they're supposed to be fighting a battle, a war, and they're exhausted. They're overwhelmed, not because of fighting, but because of feeling stressed out. It, It depletes. The enemy is getting the church to feel exhausted depleted. Fourthly, it discourages. People start losing their confidence. I just don't have the boldness I had before. I don't have the courage I had before. It's because there's a spirit of confusion that's robbing your home right now. And guess what? You can get that robber out. You have a stand your ground law here to say, hey, no more thieves coming into my house tonight. I got a weapon. It's called the sword of the spirit. It's a two-edged sword. And this thing, this, this has the power to divide bone and marrow. This word right here can divide confusion from truth. Here's the truth. The devil is a liar. I'm a child of God. I've been bought by the blood of Jesus. I've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. And the enemy will get you in a place of discouragement, confusing you that God doesn't love you, that God doesn't forgive you, that that you're being punished for some mistake. Fifthly, confusion detours you from God's purpose. So people will spend years on a detour thinking, well, you know, we just need to just need to stay away from wherever we need to stay away. We're just going to go on this path for a long time. You don't have to be on that detour. You can type in the right plan. This last week, I was spending time with a pastor in my life, Larry Stockstill and his wife, Melanie. And uh, they're, they're in their early 70s, and they've walked many years of marriage and life. They celebrated 50 years in the ministry, 47 years being married, raised six kids. So they're talking to me about family. And I was with them in New Orleans. I, I went there because I'm getting my master's degree, going back to school. And so we were walking the streets, and he goes, Paul, New Orleans is the most confusing city I've ever been in. And he said, I can say this because I live here. He said, these streets are confusing. Anyone ever been to New Orleans? Y'all know the voodoo that's up in there? And it's in the streets too. We don't know which way we're going. There's, there's so many different streets that aren't a, they're, they're a one way. You can't get around. And he's, we were getting lost. And we were supposed to be walking to a restaurant. We couldn't find our way. And someone starts shouting at us, shouting at him. And as he was saying this, I realized so many people are on a detour because of confusion. We're lost. We're, we're far from where we need to be. And then we're trying to figure out, how do I get back? How do I get back on a right path? How do I get back on a path of purpose? How do I get back on a path of joy, a path of peace, a path of life? Maybe I need to listen to some more podcasts from Joe Rogan. Maybe I need to follow CNN or Fox News. Maybe I need to read a book like The Alchemist or some book that teaches me a new age version back to, no, you need to get back in the book that's outlasted all books, that's outlasted all the podcasts that's higher than all the confusing situations we got going on in our world right now. And I'm not saying we can't gain wisdom from other voices, but our wisdom needs to first come from God above. This is where the real wisdom is at. So let me tell you real quickly, five ways that we can come out of confusion. Number one, confront your thoughts. I wanna just challenge myself and any of us in the room today to think about who is responsible for our thought life. Who's responsible for your thoughts? Is it God? Is it your spouse? Is it your parents? 
Is it the family you've grown up in? Is it society? Or is it you? Are you in charge of your thoughts? If you're in charge of your thoughts, stop delegating your thoughts to everybody else. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 says, cast down imaginations. If I have an imagination that comes up because of what someone has said to me or because of what I've heard or just because something just popped up in my head, that doesn't mean I have to let it stay there. A thought doesn't become a sin just because it pops up in your head. It becomes a sin when you begin to meditate on it, activate it, engage in it, do something with it. But just because a bird flies over your head doesn't mean you got to let it make a nest on top of your hair right there. Start laying eggs on your head right there. So cast down imagination. Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bring it into captivity. Every thought, make it obedient to Christ. Get your mind back. To come out of confusion, you're going to have to get your brain back. You're going to have to tell the devil, no longer are you in charge of my thoughts. There's always a movie that's going on in people's minds. And oftentimes the movie is not true. It's, it's suspicious thoughts. It's assuming thoughts. It's thoughts about people's opinions about you. It's thoughts about people whispering about you. It's thoughts about people laughing at you. The enemy wants to convince you of things that aren't even true, hallucinations, imaginations. This is why Peter says in 1 Peter 5, verse 8, be alert and of sober mind. Now, I've seen someone who was not sober, and it got wild. They were drunk out of their minds. They were shouting stuff they shouldn't be shouting, doing stuff they shouldn't. I mean, it was wild, and, and I had to help calm this person down. Praise God for people that will calm down. Aren't you thankful for good friends that just help calm you down in situations? Uh, and, and we all need this. We've all had times where our mind was not in the right place. It wasn't sober. Don't act all holy that you've never had a moment where you weren't sober in your mind. But here's what I'm trying to say. We got to get our minds back and say, hold on, this is not wise. This is not from God. I'm overreacting here. I'm imagining things. I'm, my mind is on cruise control. I'm not paying attention to the thoughts that are popping in there. I'm not paying attention to the meditations that are happening there. This is why Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, remember, Timothy, God has not given you a spirit of fear. One version says a spirit of confusion a spirit of intimidation, a spirit of reckless thinking. If there are reckless thoughts going on in your head, confusing thoughts, it's not from God. Take captive and say, Lord, I think you have the mind of Christ. Just put your hand on your head for a second. Say, Lord, thank you that I have the mind of Christ. I'm going to think good thoughts. No more confusion in Jesus' name. All right, number two, confront your emotions and feelings. Now, this one might get personal for, for some of us in the room. Your feelings aren't always right. Just because you feel it doesn't mean it's the right thing. The, the world says, follow your heart. Your heart will lead you in the right place. Just follow your heart. All heart, baby. Except for when your heart's wrong. Hold up, Paul. God gave me this heart. That's right. He did. And it's wrapped in flesh. And it doesn't always feel the right feelings or have the right emotions. Jeremiah, the prophet in 17 verse nine, Jeremiah, he says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick, desperately sick. Look at that. Who can understand the heart of man? It's, it's, it's in a desperate, and you go, well, that's Old Testament. Paul, the New Testament says, I've been born again. I got a new mind. I, you're right, but you're still wrapped in flesh. This is why Paul the Apostle, even after he got saved, he talks about how he wrestles. He goes, there's things that I don't want to do, but I do them, and I shouldn't do them, and I know I shouldn't do them, but I, it's my flesh fighting against my spirit. It's my heart of flesh fighting against the heart that's been renewed by God. It's all together. It, you're connected. Until you get to heaven, there's a battle. Billy Graham said, even in my old age, I feel the temptations of the flesh after being saved for 80 years, Right? Like, there is no believer out there that's too sanctified to not have a fleshly heart. Every believer out there, every holy person you know out there that pretends to look holy in church as well, 
Everybody has fleshly temptation. They get angry, we get impatient, we get frustrated, we become assumptive about people, and we've gotta guard our heart and go, hold up, if this isn't from God, I don't need to be feeling these feelings. I need to check my feelings. Proverbs 28, verse 26 says, whoever trusts in their own heart is foolish, but whoever gets wisdom will be delivered from confusion. If I get wisdom, I can be delivered from my own heart. You know who I need to get free from? Me. You know who you need to get free from? You. You're like, there's a lot of haters out there. Yeah, but you're your biggest enemy. A lot of people trying to block my dreams, but you're your biggest blocker. Because oftentimes it's not the voices out there, it's the voices in here. It's the voices in here that I've been listening to. It's the ego voices. It's the prideful voice. It's the entitlement voices. It's the, the highly aggressive, bitter, resentful voices going on in here that I need to check at the door and go, hold up. I'm not always 100% right. No matter how saved I've been or how right I, no matter how much schooling I've had, I can easily be wrong on a regular basis. And my wife knows it. She's like, amen, honey, keep preaching that. Okay, so we need to check our hearts at the door. Number three, confront who or what externally could be adding confusion. Pay attention. Genesis 3 verse 1 says the serpent was more cunning than all the animals in the garden. So the serpent was really deceptively smart. This is the devil. He's a serpent. And it says he went into the garden, the serpent, and began to lie to Eve. Did God really say that you can't have this forbidden fruit? Did God, this is where confusion begins, is questioning what God said. Questioning, did God really say, does God know what's best for your life? You should know what's best. If it feels good, if the apple tastes good, if your body craves it, you should go for it. If your brain thinks it, you should just say it. <laughs> ah, this is where we get in trouble. People are making surgical decisions at eight years old for their body, and they don't know what's best for their future because they feel like a girl in one moment and a boy in the next moment, and it's not helping society when we aid into this narrative that we can decide what's best for everything in our life. We aren't the best decision makers for our lives. I'm talking to me too. I'm preaching to Paul. I'm not coming at you, I'm coming at me. And if you're, bit, if you're angry at this, email the Bible. <laughs> if you don't wanna be in a Bible-believing church, you came to the wrong place. We just trust in the Word of God. We're not buying the baloney that's going on in our nation right now, deconstructing Scripture. <laughs> Psalms 119 says, the Lord will direct you in the path of His commandments. Lord, direct me in the path of your word. I want to find delight in your word. Your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. How can a young man keep his life pure? By abiding in the word of God. In the way of who or what is adding to the confusion. Is there a movie or a show? I remember one time I was reading this book, and it was interesting at first. It was a very, it was a business book. It was really interesting. It was all about like succeeding. And I, I had studied business in college as a minor, and so I was interested in this book. But then it, it never mentioned Jesus, never mentioned the Bible, and it began introducing principles. And, and I wasn't against it. I was like, I can learn from this. But then it began questioning things that I had been taught from the Word of God, things that the Word of God had taught me through my parents passing on, you know, uh, just character values, ethic values found in the word of God. It began questioning that and convincing me that there's a new way to do life and business and succeed. And I had to put that book down and go, hold on. This is, this is not, something's not right about this book. This book is not leading me in a, in a stronger relationship with Jesus. Y'all, you can try to be successful without God and you might make money, but you might lose value and purpose in your life. I don't want to be a money-making success. I want to be a buy, I want to be a I want to be a success in the kingdom of God, which may mean that I don't have any money, but listen, I've got value, purpose, significance found in the will and the ways of God. And when I'm 90, I won't have to live with regret about the last 80 years of my life doing it my way or doing it some businessman's way. I want to do it. What does Jesus want? What does Jesus want for me? And none of us are perfect. We've all missed it. We've all fallen short. But you can get back on the right path. 
to come back to God. I've been there where I just go, God, I am sorry. I was following my foolish feelings in that moment, and I'm coming back to the word of God. I'm coming back to the way of God. Is there something or someone that's adding to the confusion, that's, that's getting you distracted from the word of God? Number four, stop and ask for help from the right people. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I got a hard time asking for help. I was putting together something for the kids recently, and Ashley walked outside. She said, do you need help? I go, no, I got this. I'm the man. She was like, okay, did you read the directions? I was like, directions? And you just need a screwdriver, some screws here. And just, you know, it all makes sense. And she's like, please read the directions. I love you, honey, but just read those directions. They're good for you. And so I'm, you know, okay, I'm skimming through them. Yeah, I got this. Two hours later, she's like, you need help? I was like, yeah, yeah, I need, I need to help. <laughs> Let's practice to get this together. Say, I need some help. I don't know why that's hard for us to say, but this is why so many of us stay in a confused state is we don't ask for help. We don't ask for help from the right people. Proverbs 12 verse 15 says this, the way of fools seems right in their own eyes, but the wise man, the wise woman listens to advice. Proverbs 15, verse 22 says, plans fail. Putting toys for your kids together fails without directions or advice from your wife or advisors. And I would say the same thing goes for big decisions in our life. Are you making a big decision without gaining counsel from the right voices? And you go, well, yeah, I've asked the right voices. I asked my buddies, okay? There was this king in Israel named Rehoboam in 1 Kings 12. He was chosen to be the king of Israel. He was anointed. And listen, God anoints leaders to be kings at any age. It's not about the age that makes a leader great. Josiah was a great leader for Israel when he was eight years old. And, and so it's not about the age. It's not even about the background. Is, here's the question. Is that king surrendered to the counsel of God? Y'all, we're about to go into a season of, 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 of decisions for who's gonna be leading our city, our state, our nation, and we need to ask this question, who is, who is leaning the most into the counsel of God? Are we voting for people that are leaning into the counsel of God? And, and, and does it align, who's aligning the closest with God's heartbeat for our world right now? And that's questions we need to ask. Well, this king, Rehoboam, he starts consulting. I want the band to come up. He starts consulting his buddies, the same age as him. He starts saying, hey, how would you lead the nation? These guys are in their 20s. They've never been a king ever in their life. They've never been in a place of advising the king. They grew up with Rehoboam. He was the son of a king, but none of them have actually ever stood in the place of counseling a king. Well, his father's elders that were 30 years older than Rehoboam, they start trying to tell Rehoboam, hey, here's what you need to do. You're not always gonna like our advice, but here's how we're trying to help you. By the way, just because someone says something you don't like to hear doesn't mean they're against you. They might be more for you than the people who are flattering you to your face. So Rehoboam dismisses the elders who are trying to speak truth to him, and he leans into the counsel of his buddies. Now, I love my friends that are my same age. I'm thankful for them. I, I've got a great friend, Daniel Henshaw, great friend in my life. We're the same age, grew up together. But if I sat with Daniel and said, hey, how would you raise five kids? He's never raised five kids. No, no offense, but that's the wrong question to ask someone who's never done it before. If I asked Daniel, hey, Daniel, how would you lead Victory Church? He's never been the senior pastor of Victory Church. So I need to ask people like my mom, Sharon Darty. I need to ask people like Grand Grand, who raised three boys and then raised grandkids, and now she's a great grandma. I need to ask, this is why I'm spending time with my elders, Pastor Larry Stockstill, John Bevere. There was a moment where I called John Bevere. I said, hey, how do I raise these kids in this world, in this age right now? And he said, Paul, I'm so glad you called me. He said, you know, I raised five kids. I'm like, I know, that's why I'm asking you. And he's like, it was hard. Lisa threw plates at me in the kitchen. We broke, you know, I'm so thankful for honest counselors that don't pretend like they've never had a storm in their marriage or never had a fight in their house. And he goes, let me tell you, Paul, you're asking the right person. My dad used to say, consider the source. 
Who's counseling you on the decision you're about to make? Is it someone who's ever walked the path you're walking? Are they 20 years down the road from you? Or are they in the same season as you? Ask someone who's been there before. And so he said, thanks for asking. I said, so what would you do? And he's like, what I wouldn't do is go on Instagram and Facebook and ask a bunch of strangers to weigh in on how to lead my marriage and my family and the church. Because there's a lot of voices who want to tell you what to do, but they've never walked a day in your shoes. They've never seen success with the advice they're about to give you. And yet they're about to tell you what to do. I'm going to go live on Insta and ask everybody, how should I do this? Wrong place. He said, find three or four trusted fathers in the faith and sit in a place of humility and say, I need counsel. And there, there you will begin to find wisdom. The starting point of wisdom is the fear of God to say, God, I need you. Lord, I need the fathers of faith. Here's what the devil's done in 2022. He's created a wedge between sons and fathers in the church. He's created a wedge between daughters and fathers so that you got church hurt. And then the enemy uses voices to placate this victim mentality to go, I am so hurt at the church. I'm hurt at people. But then what happens is we run thinking if I leave the place I've been hurt, I'm going to find freedom from confusion. And yet we walk into greater confusion by isolating ourselves from the very place that God wants to bring healing. The very place where God wants to bring wisdom is found in a community of broken believers, mothers and fathers, sons and daughters, who don't assume or act like we're perfect, but we are leaning into a perfect father in heaven. And we are learning to walk together and grow together and restore and reconcile and build the kingdom of God for such a time as this. Ask the right sources. And number five, here's my final point right here. Come under God's authority. You can't get over what God wants to put over you until you come under what God wants to put over you. James chapter four, verse seven says, submit yourself to God. Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, most people quote the second half of the verse. Resist the devil and he's gotta flee. He won't flee unless you're submitted. You can't resist the devil if you're not submitted to God. Now, the word submit is kind of a scary word in 2022 to use. I might get canceled for saying it because people are like, submission, that's an abusive term. I'm not submitting to some narcissistic, abusive, toxic situation. I'm not saying submitting to bad stuff. I'm saying submitting to the word of God. This is not narcissistic. This is not toxic. This is for your good. This is for my good. Come back to truth. Come out of confusion, my friends. And go, Paul, how can I trust that book? How can I trust that book? There's a lot of broken people in this book from Genesis to Revelation. But I'll tell you someone who's not broken. God. Jesus. You can trust him. You can trust Jesus. Right now, the enemy is stirring up this deconstructing confusion mentality. To go, I'm just walking away from scripture and I, I just want to define my own way of life and theology. Y'all, we got to come back to the word of God. There is confusion out there, left and right. But when we come under the covering, submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee. That when I come under the covering of God and say, Lord, I need you. What does God's word say? Jesus says, when you pray, start like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will, not my will, but thy will. What is the will of God? That you forgive those who've hurt you. How many times do I have to forgive them? Three times, four times? Peter asked, seven times? Jesus says, 70 times seven. So if I'm submitted to the word of God, I've got to walk in forgiveness. It's hell in the hallway until you start forgiving people. You want to come out of confusion? Start forgiving people. Start praying God's will. Start praying for heaven to invade earth. 
Start praying, Lord, reveal what you need to reveal and heal what you need to heal and speak to me in a way that's unmistakably clear that it's you. Proverbs 3 verse 5 says this, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own logic. Lean not to your own understanding. But Paul, I've understood a lot. I'm I'm learning a lot. It's 2022, Paul. We got to come into this new revelation. No, we got to get back to the old revelation because that's where the truth is found. There's some new philosophy out there that's convincing people we can do this without Jesus, and we can't. We can't. We need Jesus more than ever. We need his presence. We need his power. We need his word. We need his people. We need the covering of God. We need the elders like grand grand and mom, and we need people who've walked this path longer than us who can speak to us in the midst of our confusion, in the midst of our outrage, and say, hey, 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 calm down. There's a better way to react right now. There's a better way to walk this out. So Proverbs says, trust in the Lord. In all your ways, acknowledge, submit to him, verse six, and he will make your path straight. Would you stand your feet all over this place? I asked this man if I could share this story, and so I'm gonna end it with this story. Yesterday, I was eating egg rolls at Thai Village. Y'all weren't ready for that transition right there. But I was sitting at Thai Village restaurant, had some egg rolls, had my Bible, my laptop. I was finishing my sermon. I'm sitting there, I'm locked in. Someone shouting across the restaurant. No one really, I didn't think anyone was there, but someone shouting. I didn't hear what they were saying. Finally, someone from Thai Village walks over and taps my shoulder. They're like, hey, he's shouting at you. So I look over and he's like, Doherty. I go, yeah. Victory. I go, yeah. Pastor. Yeah. And he goes, oh. So I get up from my table. It's like, hey, are we good? I'm like, no. I was like, I'm Paul. And he goes, I know your name. I go, okay. So I was like, what's your name? And he goes, that's the reason I left your church. You forgot my name. And I go, man, I'm so sorry. He said, you met me like three times. I said, I'm sorry. I said, I'm trying. I'm trying to memorize my own kids' names. Like, it's just a lot of names to memorize. Just a lot, lot of people. I'm really trying. And he goes, whoa, just chill. He's like, you're good. I was like, really? Because I am. I want to I wanna get better. My dad was so good at memorizing names. I'm trying my best, man. Like, just give me a shot. He's like, okay, okay, calm down. He's like getting emotional because I'm getting emotional and I'm sincere. Like, I just want to be a good pastor. I'm trying my best. I said, I'm sorry I let you down. He said, I forgive you. I can tell you mean it. I said, will you come back to church? Have you found a new church? He's like, no, I've been looking. I was like, well, come back to Victory. He's like, why? I said, well, we got this figured out. Let's, let's go now. <laughs> He's like, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. And um, so we kind of ended it. It just kind of ended. The conversation ended. I didn't know if he would come. Well, he came to church last night. And at the end of the sermon, came down to the altar, gave me two candles from his candle business. Lord, bless this man's candle business in Jesus' name. But he said, he goes, did you preach that sermon just to me? I said, no, I was working on this sermon before I even, you know, connected with you for the third time. And he said, he goes, that message was tailor-made for me. He's like, God was speaking directly to me, coming out of confusion. I said, praise God, man. Gave him a big hug. We took a picture together. I said, can I share your story? He said, yes. I don't know who I'm preaching to right now, but the enemy has been messing with you. And it's time to come out of confusion. I want us just to close our eyes all over this place. And I pray today, Lord, for every man, every woman, every young guy, young girl, parent, grandparent, that's just been in a season of maybe even, you didn't even know it was confusion. You didn't realize that's what it was. Now today you've got a word for it. But you've been tired. You've not known what's next. You've been waiting for the next open door and maybe you just felt kind of like stuck in a certain season and you're not sure how long you've been in this moment or how to get to the next moment, but you've just been there. And maybe God's talking to you through this message. There's some things that he wants you to, to get back to, some things he wants you to do, some prayers he wants you to pray, some forgiveness he wants you to release, some things you need to let go, some stuff you've been trying to, to, to sort out that's not your story to work through. It's someone else's story. God says, let that situation go. Don't try to wrap your mind around it. It's time to get unconfused. It's time to get out of this stuck season, unstuck. 
If that's you, I want you to just raise your hand up all over this room. If this was for you, if God was speaking to you, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, yes, yes. From the front row to the back row, you're saying, I need this. I need to take a step today out of confusion, out of exhaustion, out of distraction, out of a distorted season, out of a, a depleted season of tiredness. If you need prayer today or this word was for you, here's what I'm asking you to do. Just leave your seat. Join me at this altar. Make a step of faith. Just leave your seat. Come down to this altar. You are declaring no more confusion. No more cloud of confusion is going to sit in my house. I'm evicting confusion out of my mind, out of my heart, out of my life today. Get your mind back today. Get your marriage back today. Get your health back today. Get your finances back today. Get your confidence back today. Get your courage back today. Get your strength back today. Get your passion back today. Get your power back today. Let's just worship the Lord all over this place. Let's just sing to Jesus. Come on, he's ready to set you free today from every lie of the enemy, every confusing thought.
right there at the end of 1st Samuel 30 after David had lost everything when he went and pursued it says in verse 18 that everything was recovered not one thing was missing look in verse 19 nothing was missing not a boy not a girl not a purse not a wallet David got everything the enemy had stolen. Not a penny, not a nickel was missing, not a dime. The enemy's been robbing you. And you're about to get your life back. You're about to get your time back. You're about to get your mind back. You're about to get your finances back in order. No more confusion. Just say that with me, no more confusion. Lord, I just thank you today. This word would just really settle on our hearts and minds. No more confusion in our finances, in our friendships, God, in our calling, in our purpose, even just in our daily schedule, our daily habits. No more confusion. No more time-wasting, confusing paths. God, that we would be on the right path at the right time with the right people doing the right thing in the right way. Deliver us, God, from confusing paths. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that even just as we get back in the word of God in prayer this week, as, as, as your people, Lord, lean into your word and prayer and wise counsel and elders, I pray, God, that they would just begin to see things illuminated in scripture that begins to highlight specific answers to questions they've been asking, specific direction on decisions they've got to make. I thank you in Jesus' name for deliverance, God, from every tactic and lie and entanglement of the enemy. I just saw this vision. Ashley said it to me this morning. She said, you know, it's kind of like a rope, a water hose. Our water hose had gotten all tangled up. Our kids were playing with it and they got it in so many knots. And it took me like 30 minutes to untangle that water hose. And um, the water could not go through where it needed to go through because it was so tangled up. And I had this vision that someone, there's a girl here, a guy here, your life has been tangled up in some confusing drama, some complicated situations, some things that don't even make sense to you. And God says, I'm, I am untangling that so the water can flow. You're about to see a release of water, of his spirit, of his wisdom, of his mercy, of his grace, of his favor, in Jesus' name. Just say this with me, Jesus, I surrender to you. Your word, your will, your way, your kingdom in my life as it is in heaven. No more confusion. I have the mind of Christ. I have a sound mind. No more fear. No more anxiety. I'm trusting you. I repent of my sin and I receive your forgiveness. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.